0: welcome to yet another episode of the college try we're doing a little early this week just because the rankings came out yesterday before we get into that though i'm gonna get right into it um usc utah (laughs) i think we both got heavily screwed over here
1: yeah you know i was a dumbass and decided to throw everything on usc money line they were minus 145 i ended up putting 280 on that to win 200 and uh I just, it was just unreal that I didn't think there was any way that USC was going to lose that game with an opportunity to go to the college football playoff. There's no chance in my mind that they were going to lose that. And yeah, bad news bears. That was, that was not fun to watch. Uh, it was just absolutely disgusting, but uh, I think they're frauds and I think it's hilarious. We'll get into it, but I think it's hilarious who they matched them up with in the, in the new Year's six, but, um, yeah, I, USC
0: sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, in general, I just think their defense got absolutely exposed. I don't know. People kept making the excuse of, is was Caleb Williams hurt, like having so much to do with it. You put the backup in who no one's seen all season. I doubt they win that game with that. Like, I feel like you have a better chance with the hurt Caleb Williams than the backup who we haven't seen play all year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And yeah, it if their defense, like if they would have played a georgia michigan even at tcu i feel like how their defense played they've never tackled before both all three of those teams i feel like could easily thrown up 50 points on them um just the worst tackling display i've ever seen in my life and i don't know if you caught their middle linebacker the dude sucked he was number 18 he's 6'6, 195 pounds that middle linebacker for usc like that's like that's a shooting forward that's not a middle (laughs) linebacker and he didn't get a single tackle from what i've saw and yeah, overall defensively, just very non-physical, very bad game plan. And they were not ready at all for Utah. And you know, it's really hard to beat a team twice. We say this a lot on this podcast, but Utah did it and they did it with authority. And um, they're gonna be a, a problem in the Rose Bowl. I'm excited for that game just to see how the physicality with them and Penn State match up. But they were just the better team, the more dominant team, and and really made USC. Pretty much their whole season just thrown out the window on that one game. So I don't really like USC. I think they. I kind of put them in the same level as Ohio State. Just kind of the team that I don't think really anyone really likes. Um, so d- I was happy in that way for them losing, but obviously I was not happy according to my uh, money. So um, <laughs> yeah, it it is what it is, I guess. But it was not how that, I thought that game would uh, would turn out. But yeah, right away Ohio State was <laughs> was back in contention yeah. on. Friday, I think uh, so.
0: I think Urban Meyer said it best after the game to the Utah coach was like, "I don't think you will have to pay for a meal or a drink in Columbus for a while." Yeah. I think it was, <laughs> it, it I don't. Know, it's crazy. I mean, also what I was thinking of, and we'll kind of get into it once we get into TCU versus Kansas State. This is kind of like a stupid take or like a very overextreme. But what at what point with like a team like Ohio State getting in and benefiting off of not playing this weekend? Do the conference championship games matter? still yeah right?
1: like right and that's why we thought like um before tennessee's loss to south carolina that's why i thought tennessee was in a perfect spot because they didn't have that ability to lose in a conference championship game because they were going to sit yeah. out um so i i think there's a little yeah and we saw with tcu like they we saw that they didn't get penalized too much for, or that they technically didn't get penalized at all for that loss yeah. against kansas state so i think it's a little given you know if you if you put a team in ot like tcu did or opposed to utah who beat or usc lost to utah 47 to 24 but i know it's a little bit different but i I do agree with you it's hard to penalize a team for making it to the conference championship so i understand that but i feel like it was rightfully deserving for usc to get bounced yeah and they dropped six spots
0: too which is nuts yeah i mean in general that kind of gets fixed again this was just me going over it in my head it was like well now, if Bama gets in, these conference championship championship games really benefit you to not make the game. But then if you look at it, once we get to the 12-team playoff in a few years, um, which is confirmed now, that came out last week after we recorded, uh, the the conference champions get an auto-bid. So, like, that kind of resurges that and makes it to where you will benefit from being in these games because you don't even have to worry about being in or being not if you win.
1: Right. So that'll add an additional motive to at least make the game and, and hopefully you won't get penalized as much for, for losing. Yeah, exactly. I'll be good.
0: Exactly. Uh, then to lead off of that, TCU versus Kansas state, uh, probably the second most infuriating game after USC this week. Uh, I know, I think last week you said you were taking Kansas state. I know I took TCU.
1: Yeah. So I, I did say I was on Kansas state. I was on Kansas state all the way up to kickoff where I took TCU money line. (laughs) Unfortunately, that one didn't pay out, but I did snag TCU plus seven and a half midway through that game. So I did end up making a small profit, but um, should have just went off my gut and t- t- taking Kansas State. Uh, we we were talking about Heisman's a little bit and that TCU quarterback, Max um, Duggan, Duggan, however you pronounce his last name, yeah. he... Almost had that Heisman moment that we were talking about. I don't even if they did pull that off, I don't think he would have gotten it over Caleb Williams, even though it's not announced yet. Caleb is pretty much the Heisman winner, but he did have that Heisman moment on that last drive to tie it up. He's barfing on the sideline, can't even stand up. That was really cool to see. And he kind of yeah, it's it's something we talk about a lot. And he did have that moment, which was pretty special. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the win, but it didn't affect them that much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I and I was texting you. We didn't really bring up Max Duggins last week, but right after the USC game, I was thinking, well, who has the best chance now to pass Caleb Williams? And honestly, to me, it went to him. You told yeah. me the odds were like plus 1,500, which going into the Kansas State game after USC lost, so that 12-hour period, is was a great bet value-wise. I didn't actually take it, uh, luckily, because it probably would have lost at this point. But, I mean, he was the only one who – had an undefeated team coming out, had no injuries up to that point. Like it, it just looked like if he were to do well and like come out and play amazing, and he he did, he still did, even though they lost and won, he probably would have been a new front runner. At least we would have had more of a debate than it just being Caleb Williams. Yeah, um, I completely agree really yeah. on that. And uh, but in general, TCU obviously did not get penalized because, in my opinion, they already beat Kansas State, and it was a close game. Like it's not. It didn't mean a whole lot, at least to the committee, and that showed. Um, and obviously, we'll get into that later. But great game by both sides. Uh, Deuce Vaughn went absolutely off. I also just felt like the main problem with TCU was, do you know who's number one for TCU, their wide receiver?
1: Yeah, I don't know his name, the tall dude. He yeah. was, he they was kept... battling injury on and yes. off throughout that game. And
0: they literally, it felt like Duggan just kept – or Duggan kept – Just launching it to him, no matter what, if he was open or not. Like, I feel like if you kept looking for more open receivers rather than then launching the go route all the way downfield, TCU would have had a better chance. Or at least that was my one big observation of the game. Yeah, he was really just launching the
1: ball. He did get, you know, it did work out quite a bit with a lot of pass interference calls, but that, you know, that really... I did not like that game plan, especially with I they have two other really good wideouts. I don't know their names, but two little quicker guys that are really good. And then, you know, with his ability on the on his feet, which we saw in the final drive, um, I just thought there was more offensive chances than just launching it deep. But I guess yeah. it, yeah, again, they're they're still in, so it didn't really affect them that much. But they probably will have to adjust it a little bit, come playoff time.
0: Yeah. So um after that, you got your game Purdue versus Michigan. Michigan looked kind of like they always do in every first half. It seems like this year looked kind of iffy in the first half and then came back was still closer than I guess it normally is. It wasn't close, but it normally is in the second half. Uh, I'll let you take that one away. Cause I'm sure you have a lot more than me. Yeah,
1: And they, they do this every single game to me. It pisses me off. I think the last three or four games we've actually been, well, the, we are up by one point, but the last three or four games at halftime, it's been within three points and I know they break away at the end of the end of the game and, you know, that's fine and all, but I don't know how well they're going to do actually playing a tough team. Like, and TCU is not the best, but TCU is going to be hard if you're going to keep them close at half. And especially if you're play, facing a Georgia team where, you know, you go down by 10, 14 points in the at halftime, like that's a really hard um, thing to come back from. So I understand it's just Michigan's offense. I've said it on the podcast before. It's just how what they do. They just beat guys up and you know, eventually the stronger guy wins. But when you, again, when you're playing a Georgia team who might be even more physical than you are, I don't think that's going to work. So they're going to have to at least step it up a little bit more, in my opinion, offensively in the first half. Defensively, I think they're okay. It takes them a little while to adjust, but I don't really think the defense is the problem. I just think the real, really slow start from the offense is something that's really going to need to change. Um, Even though that score was 14 to 13 at halftime, I was never super worried. I was screaming on my TV a lot, but I don't, I never really thought that they were going to lose that game just because of how they've done it all year. But um, it is, it is concerning something that will definitely be a story um, come uh, the semifinal game. But uh, I still believe in them. I still think they're a really good team. I think they have a decent shot at making the national championship Um, I don't think that's really far-fetched I'm actually buying my plane ticket tonight um, (laughs) to uh, Los Angeles and then I think I'm going to wait a couple days before I get that national championship ticket but um, if they lose I'll I'll just sell the ticket hopefully and I'll probably make some money on it but um, I do think there's a pretty strong chance that they do make it to that championship game most likely playing playing Georgia um, possibly a chance at Ohio State again but I think they're you know, I just think their physicality is going to be really tough for especially a TCU team. But it is something that makes Michigan, Michigan. So uh, definitely a scare a little bit. But again, that's
0: been their story all year. So, yeah, and something I'm really excited about as we'll talk into the coming weeks leading up to the semifinal games, that second half TCU Michigan is going to be a shootout and insane just because way right. both teams have played all year. It's kind of leading up to that. Now, who knows? We could be surprised. It's going to be a low scoring. which should be very disappointing. But, I mean, these are two of the top scoring second half teams we've seen all year and had comeback wins all year, second half. That's going to be fun to watch. Just that second. It might even not watch the first half. Just watch the second half.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to get too much into the game since we have, you know, four weeks of content before we get into it. But they are extremely similar teams. Really tough physical defenses. Big run game. Similar quarterbacks that can move on their feet and throw a decent ball, a couple of good wide receivers. So they match up actually really well. They're very identical, um, but we'll get into that preview um, in weeks to come. But I am excited for that game.
0: Yeah. So um, then after that, I have one of the games I was excited for. I watched some of it. I didn't watch all of it. Um, Clemson versus UNC. Obviously, no playoff implications, but it was kind of setting up to be at least a good-ish game. Cade Klubnik really, really impressed me, considering – during the Syracuse game, when he came in for the final few drives, he kind of didn't do shit, at least in my opinion. He threw the ball maybe twice for two incompletions, and it was – Will Shipley won that game. Cade Klubnick did not have anything to do with that Syracuse win. But he came out. uh DJ finally got benched. Um He had it was, went 20 for 24, passing with 279 yards, one touchdown, and then one rushing touchdown. Uh, I think he was the story of that game very clearly, and it just goes to show – the main question is now is why didn't Dabo put him in earlier in the season? Because they could probably have a good shot at the playoff. I mean, if they, and the way everything worked out, if they would have just beaten South Carolina, they're in the playoff right now over Ohio state more than likely. Right. Right. So Yeah. And
1: yeah, I didn't, I had no idea how this game was going to go. Um, I, you know, I really liked initially that UNC plus seven and a half, they ended up getting blown out 39 to 10, but um, yeah, Cade really good, uh, really good performance. And he kind of, Knocked dj out of clemson he kind of just shoved them out right in that last game i know they were kind of battling all year djs kept getting that starting spot which i had no idea why or you know what the, even the reason was maybe it was just because this game really didn't matter that they felt you know hey we'll try this new guy out um but yeah you're you're definitely right i don't know why that change wasn't made earlier or at least attempted earlier you know we saw him in that syracuse game but we really haven't seen him much since that and that was what two months ago eight six weeks ago so um i really wish we would have saw him earlier because i do think you're right and they were one win away from probably being that fourth team in the playoff right now um if they beat south carolina so um yeah they, they have a really interesting matchup we'll get into in a second but uh i i am that's this is good news for clemson future and uh there is a pretty
0: good quarterback on the board now yeah, it is. And also the thing that pisses me off the most about it is if they beat South Carolina, then Florida State's in the Orange Bowl. But yeah, that's a. I went on that rant a few weeks ago, if you remember that, and literally everything else went into place besides Clemson losing to South Carolina. That was the only thing. But again, Cade Klubnick, now he might even be a Heisman preview contender when we come to next season, just off that one sure. game. UNC's defense isn't great, but still to put up those numbers after not playing a single game or really playing – only like a drive or two all year is really good. Uh, after that UGA versus LSU, obviously it was a blowout. Um, we both said LSU spread just because we felt like it was too many points. Um, another quarterback controversy that's going to come up again. I don't know how to pronounce this last name, Garrett Newsomer whoever they put in for Jaden Daniels, also had a game with 294 yards and two touchdowns. And that one play keeps going viral where he avoids the sack and throws it in the end zone. A touchdown. Um, again, no real surprises here, other than that. UGA did what UGA was supposed to do. Uh, but LSU, I think we're going to see another quarterback battle coming out of there, just like we started off with this year.
1: Yeah, and this is a this is good for LSU. I think even though they did get kind of blown on that game, they did show good signs of offense. Um, they did put up thirty points and probably the best team on in best defense in the country. So there is hope there, and they had a pretty good season under Brian Kelly. And I know, you know, first year coaches is kind of a weird. sometimes you're you're really good, we, you know, using the old guys from the previous coach, and sometimes you see the coaches absolutely suck. So I think Brian Kelly's next year is going to be a really big year to see if he's going to continue this momentum like bringing in his new guys like his first true recruiting class or if they if they fall off a bit but i think this lsu team has a really good shot at contending next year um it will be interesting what they do offensively at that qb position as you mentioned but um yeah that was and as for georgia i know we were both on lsu again i i (laughs) flip-flopped before the game and i took georgia minus 17 and a half but i did snag um LSU plus 32 and a half in that game so I did thread the needle there yeah 32 and a half that's just too much so I did thread the needle there which was actually really nice but yeah that Georgia team they're they're gonna be they're gonna be some trouble I thought they're a little suspect the last couple of weeks but uh they prove prove that they are by far the best team in the country and rightfully the uh favorite to win the national champions so. yes. also I'll quickly say I'm not I I mean, I played football in college. I I coached football. I know a lot of the rules. I still don't understand that, you know, that opening um, field goal block for a touchdown. I'm not quite sure the rules on that um, because I did go over the line of scrimmage, which I thought, you know, you can only return if it goes behind the line of scrimmage. But then I think there was something with like someone, I don't know, something happened. And as we saw, they returned it for a touchdown and pretty much everyone was clueless. So that was an interesting play. Not sure if you know
0: the the actual rules on that. I, I have no clue. I was kind of trying to like spitball it myself. I was like, well, maybe it has to go like bounce into the end zone for it to be a touchback or something like that. Obviously the whistle wasn't blown. Uh, I wasn't listening to the game with audio. Uh so I'm sure they explained it and I just completely missed it. That was kind of funny. And also LSU should know what to do on blocked uh right field goals by now. I mean, we blocked two of them last year this year. Like I feel like it was just a dumb play. Probably kind of just a Heart crunching play, like it in general, like oh you just got your field goal blocks, you're not really paying attention to the ball. Most people don't pay attention to the ball after a missed field goal unless you're the Auburn Tigers against Alabama. Yeah. But like it's it's just kind of a even the coach, like did you see the video of the Georgia coach? He was telling yeah. he was saying, like, don't touch it, don't touch it. And then he started running and he was like, Oh shit. I guess we can do this. So I don't know. I think maybe there's confusion all around. I want to look that up now. I'm not sure what the rule is. It's just weird. Yeah,
1: my only guess is, and I, I know if it goes behind the line of scrimmage, it's 100% a live ball, but I think there might be like some sort of like, you know, maybe it's like five five yards forward or backward. You can return yeah. or if it goes five yards forward. I don't know. Something weird about that, but it seemed like there was a lot of confusion, and, <laughs> and that was a part in the game where LSE was actually pretty close. You yeah, know, If they would have made that field goal, I think it would have been a... A seven point game, so I that yeah. was a real turning point in the game, which was a, a 14 point swing, so or a, a 10 point swing. Um, so that, yeah, that as you said, that was that was absolutely heart crunching for, for LSU.
0: <laughs> yep, uh, other than that, we don't really have to talk about this game too much. I didn't pay too much attention to it, but Tulane versus UCF, it was kind of close for the most of the game, and then Tulane pulled ahead there in the second half. Uh, what's really funny about that is Tulane ranked LSU ranked one spot about uh, above LSU now. Uh, so the committee's basically saying the best team in Louisiana, um, <laughs> they get their new Year's six bowl. Um, it was cool to watch. I honestly wish it would have been a better game again. Don't have to talk much about it. Just thought and mention it. Cause they get that new year's six spot.
1: Yeah, it was really big for Tulane. And as we, we talked about them all year, they're kind of coming from nowhere, but I thought you UCF was going to at least be close in this game, but you know, again, we're going to keep saying this it's really hard to beat a team (laughs) twice and I the reason we keep saying this is it might happen in the national championship but Tulane just played outplayed UCF they're just a better team they're running back I'm not sure his name but he is absolutely a dog the dude just has he just goes through people um so I'm really interested in that matchup and yeah the first the only non-power five in the the new year six this year so that'll be an interesting game um to see how they match up
0: and also something to keep an eye on something small is I don't believe Tulane is not one of the teams moving to the Big 12, I believe. I'm not 100% sure about that. But yeah, with all those – yeah, with all those – the top-tier American conference teams moving on to the Big 12 and with that one spot available now for the playoff for – coming soon the playoff, now the New Year Six, um, Tulane, if they keep it up, has the chance to be that power of the group of five. So normally it comes out of the American, and with all that competition going away, I think they have a pretty good shot to keep that going. Um, or they'll just be a one-year wonder like every other – group of five schools seems to happen. All right, well now into the rankings what everyone's been waiting for. Sure you've heard it already. Number 1 UGA, 2 Michigan, no surprises there. This is where it got kind of where the debate started to fire up. Uh we both predicted Ohio State at 3 giving uh that the game rematch right away. But like we already said TCU's at 3 and Ohio State's at 4, leaving Bama and Tennessee at 5 and 6. Um no surprises here. I honestly think the committee got it right. Uh, the only surprise was the Ohio state TCU being flip flopped, but overall, I think they made the right decision. I don't think there's any way Bama could go in.
1: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, when you just look at TCU's strength of schedule and strength of record, I think they have the best strength of record, um, among those top four teams. So just on that alone really put some, you know, deservingly in there. And I knew, I think we talked about if this was going to be a one score game, I thought TCU was in regardless. We even thought, um, you know, it could have been a little bit more than that. Possibly a ten or ten or fourteen point game. We thought TCU would still sneak in. The fact that it was an overtime game just adds more fire to the reasoning for TCU getting in. They lost an overtime. They got stopped on the inch yard line. I don't know why they didn't sneak it twice. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But we're we're past that. But um, yeah, it is interesting between TCU at three and Ohio State at four. Personally, I love it. As a Michigan fan, I think TCU's is the easier path than Ohio State is to get the national championship. But I think Ohio State probably should have been to that three spot. And for as much as the as the committee says they don't really care for ratings, they 100% care for ratings. This First of all, the Georgia-Ohio State matchup is going to be absolutely yep. amazing. These teams have been one and two all year um ohio state's been two the whole season except last week georgia's been pretty much one all year besides that one week tennessee took over so these two are by far the the best two teams ranking wise in the country so that's going to be great um ratings and, and as well as the opportunity of possibly a michigan ohio state national championship that's going to be the highest ratings of all time if that does happen so for as much as the playoff committee says they don't give a shit about rankings they 100 do and they are following the money but Um, I'm not complaining too much because we have TCU, who is by far the weakest of the four, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Michigan-Georgia here again. We'll get into that um, later on as we get through the few weeks. The one thing about Ohio State right now is now that uh, JSN is out, that was announced by maybe an hour or two ago from when we're recording this. Uh, That is going to – he opted out and is going to the draft, which is kind of surprising for me to be – considering it's a – it's not just a normal bowl game. He actually has a shot at win the national title. So we've never really seen this before. Like we've seen the opt-outs, but never win a game that actually means something. So it's kind of interesting. Now, Ohio State obviously has a bunch of receivers that it could mean nothing. But yeah, he's he's like the third best wide receiver on his team now. Yeah. So, so um- it, that's just the only thing I wanted to mention, especially because that's going to be making the ESPN headlines and everything recently. I don't know what you thought of it. I just think it's interesting. He has a lingering injury. So that kind of makes sense. But just weird to opt out for this game.
1: Yeah, it's not a game you you would opt out in. I I I don't understand I don't know the extent of his injury so it maybe it's something that could get worse with play which makes it more understandable. He hasn't really played a whole lot in the last the later part of the season. Um so I do understand that aspect of it like say it is something that could get worse in the future. Um, if he does play on it I completely understand that but if he's okay and has a shot to go and he's not going to hurt himself anymore then you 100 play in that playoff game with the uh, the chance of making the national championship um so I, again I don't I i don't I'm not wearing his shoes I don't under, I don't know the circumstances of his situation but um as an outsider looking in it doesn't seem like the right move but he's also going to be making millions of dollars where I am not going to be so um can you know I'm going to blame him but Can you really blame a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid for that decision? Probably
0: not. No, no. But other than that, I don't think – I'm still – for the rankings overall, I still think Tennessee should be at six and not Bama. I already went on that rant last week. It's just common sense head-to-head matchups. Other than that, do you have anything else for the rankings? I'm good. It was pretty – all the debate was beforehand. Um, I also made that question of the day video saying if the committee got it right with a bunch more stats on strength, the schedule and all that. That is up on the YouTube channel and on Spotify yeah. if you want to hear more about it. Uh, but you got anything else?
1: Yeah, I'll just quickly say USC jumped to 10, which I briefly said before. So they fell six spots, which is pretty bad. I think it is deserving. K-State jumps into the top 10 for the first time on number nine. Then Utah did get into the Rose Bowl at that number eight. So um They did leave Penn State out at 11. I wouldn't mind them dropping USC one more spot to 11, giving Penn State in that top 10. But um, it doesn't really matter that much. I just want to make it known that USC are fraud, and I think they should be out of the top
0: 10. (laughs) Let's just one more fuck UFC for everyone out there after that game. Um, So now we'll go into our favorite bowl matchups. I made sure to say outside the playoffs, because obviously with the playoffs, those would be the top two. Um, I'll let you go first with yours. I have four listed here. Two of them are New Year six. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, playoff bowls in, in regards to the playoffs. I do like the Georgia O'House. I think that's going to be a much more interesting matchup and then Michigan uh, TCU. But going into it, my um, first favorite, most exciting game, I think, is the Orange Bowl between Tennessee and Clemson. Um, you know, this is the highest matchup out of the New Year or out of the playoffs. It's six for seven. Um, Tennessee, you know, they don't have Hendon Hooker. He's out with the that ACL. But they still are very dominant. They still have a really good offense. Um, and then that Clemson team, as you said, with the new quarterback at the at the helm. Um, that's gonna be an interesting matchup. And to even make it even better, the orange bowl, we have the two orangest teams in the country. They should do the color rush and be orange on orange in the orange bowl. I doubt that happens, <laughs> but um, I just think it's funny that we have two orange teams. But I do think that's gonna be the the most interesting matchup outside of the the playoffs. And then my number two is gonna be that Bama, Kansas State game. Um, this is a five versus nine team. K State really is physical. We saw that last week. Um, their run game and Deuce Vaughn is a is a little dog and their defense is is very physical. And I I'm interested to see how they match up to Alabama who and we didn't really talk about it but did you see Nick Saban's press conference with uh him I saw I saw,
0: I saw clips of it I saw
1: clips of it <laughs> yeah yeah so Sam is just making his claim that he he deserves to get in and there is a there is a debate there they lost their two games by a combined four points um so there is a debate there but um this this could you know either fuel his his fire there and maybe they can blow out Kansas state and really say, Hey, we should be in here or maybe Kansas state makes a statement and hopefully they do and, and show that Bama really isn't the, they deserve to not be in it. So I'm interested to just to see the, the media on that game. And I'm actually um, hoping for, for K state in that one.
0: Yeah. I mean, so just to go off that game, I think it's also kind of a setup for, like, the debate afterwards of if TCU gets blown out by Michigan and then Alabama blows out Kansas State, it be like, oh, well, Alabama clearly should have been in the playoff. Like, they beat the shit out of Kansas State, who barely beat TCU, and then UCF logic all comes in with, yeah. oh, we already beat them and all that. <laughs> I think it's just all setting up for that, and that's going to be annoying if it does happen, so I'll also be pulling for Kansas State there. Uh, my first one is also the Orange Bowl. Um, first off, yes, because the orange on orange, I love that. I think it's hilarious too. But it's also the we lost the South Carolina Bowl. So that makes it oh, interesting. Right, but... So it um I honestly think right now the line on that, the opening line is minus six. Um, I'm sure that'll move. We're weeks and weeks in advance, but I do like Clemson's chances there. As you're saying, literally the exact same thing. Cade Clubnick, uh Hendon Hooker out. Obviously, all the opt-outs will come to uh two. So I, I also do like Clemson in that matchup. My second is the Rose Bowl with Penn State versus Utah, just because I hate Penn State. And I think Utah can completely expose them for being not they don't win big games. James Franklin doesn't win big games. He doesn't know how to. Um, That's that's more of a reason of just uh, I hate Penn State and I just think they're going to get absolutely exposed. Utah, I think I think they've proven that they're still a decent team, even through their ups and downs this year. Um, I think that'll show. These other ones are obscure ones. I got the Alamo bowl, Texas versus Washington and the holiday bowl of Oregon versus UNC for the holiday bowl. It'll be interesting to see how Drake may and UNC can come back from their skit at the end of the season. Um, and obviously Bo Nix has been playing well. I think that's a pretty good matchup and it will probably be the spreads at 10 and a half, but I think that'll go down. And I think this will be a fairly good game. Uh, Texas, Washington as well. Washington, obviously at the end of the season, beating Oregon uh, proved that, they are a team to like to watch. And Texas, obviously, it's Texas. I, I don't think there's much to explain there. You got Quinn Ewers. It'll be interesting to see opt-outs there with like Bijan Robinson and uh their wide receiver. I, I'm blanking on his name. Uh but yeah, those are my top four that'll probably change. And obviously, number five would be Florida State, Oklahoma, even though we're gonna blow out OU. But uh that's all I, that's all I got for my favorite bulls.
1: Yeah, I got two more outside the New Year 6. Um obviously the New Year 6 are, are my top 4 yeah. outside of the playoffs, but I do have two more. I do love that um Texas Washington game. I think that's going to be extremely interesting. Um Ro- Washington did make a pretty good case for um you know potentially getting that Rose Bowl, but just you know based on their wins and losses and I think they did lose the head to head to Utah. Um but Washington's a very good team. I think they have almost 400 passing yards a game. Um, and when Texas wants to play well, you know, they're as good as as anyone. So I think that'll be a really good, good game. um if Texas plays, like they're they're supposed to be playing. Um, one game I do want to talk about is that uh, the Gator Bowl between Notre Dame, South Carolina, these are two teams that are really figuring out late in the season. You know, Notre Dame started off cold. Um, we're not going to like, oh, they lost Ohio state, whatever that's, a, that's an okay loss, but then they lose the Marshall and then they lose to Stanford, two really bad losses. Um, and South Carolina kind of went off the map and now just have knocked off two top 10 teams in the last two weeks. So both teams are kind of figuring it out. Um, this is going to be a lot of momentum for next year and we'll hopefully, you know, either fuel their fire for the off season or just something to build off this off season. So, um I it is interesting. I do think Notre Dame is going to take this one. The lines aren't out for this. So I don't even know who the favorite is. I'm going to guess it's going to be Notre Dame. But yeah. I am interested to see if South Carolina's going to continue that momentum um cuz again, I don't know how many teams this year or in the history of college football have won multiple top t- 10 games in a row. And I know Notre Dame is not a top 10 team. But um, they're still a really good squad. So I'm really just interested to see if South Carolina is legit or if they just got lucky in those last two weeks.
0: Yeah, and I think the key to that one is, is Spencer. I don't think Spencer Rattler's going to the draft or does he have another year of eligibility? Yeah, no, I, so, I don't think he's going to go. So, I mean, yeah. he shouldn't after this past year. He landed off the year well, but he, his draft stock has kind of fallen the past year and a half. But. I think Spencer Rattler could probably control that game. I love Spencer Rattler. Uh, a lot of people don't. He's just famous because he was on a TV show for the most part. Um, but other than that, I also I forgot about that matchup completely, or else I would have put it on mine. But I also really like that one as well. Um, so to get off the games, because we're we have weeks and weeks to talk about those, uh, and we want to get out as much content as possible. We will go to coaching hires. There's one that happened today that was kind of surprising. Before we get into the obvious Dion one, because this one will be kind of quick. Uh, Satterfield jumping from Louisville to Cincinnati. The interesting part about this is that Louisville and Cincinnati are playing in the Fenway Bowl in a few weeks. Oh, huh. So um, I my instant reaction to this was Cincinnati kind of feels like a step back from Louisville, but then I realized they're also going to the Big 12. So it's not – but you're also like building that from scratch at this point with Fickle leaving, and now you're going to actual good competition with a team that's not really used to that week in, week out. Uh, I think it's a tough job for Satterfield. I, I again, yeah, it was a surprise for me. I was not expecting that at all today.
1: Yeah, and it is kind of a step back. Still, um, you know, even with Cincinnati moving to that Big Twelve, I think they are going to struggle. They're just going to be a, a take take a couple years to get adjusted to you know how the big boys play. But um, I think this is more for Satterfield to gain his confidence back. You know, he really has struggled the last couple seasons at Louisville. Um, he's had a couple good seasons, but then you know this year has just not kind of been a letdown um so i think this could be an opportunity to get your step back and and build your confidence up by you know rebuilding a program and um yeah so i think it's more of a confidence play than as opposed to um you know more of whatever so i I do think this is a strategic on satterfield's um game plan but i do i do like this hire for cincy cincy is you know they're perennial in the uh are they in the American or American yep. or AAC, whatever they are. Same um, thing. So they're, they're a really good team still. They made it to the college football playoff last year. Um, so I do think there's a lot to build on here. And I think if Satterfield wants to get his confidence back, this is a great um step for him here.
0: Yeah, I agree again. I mean, I even tried to find, I was like, did he have any connection to Cincinnati at all? Like, I feel like it's an alumni kind of hire nothing, but yeah, it's interesting. Now, now onto the obvious, Deion Sanders has taken the job at Colorado. Um, I. I am kind of unsure how to feel about this. I said before, I didn't think he should go to Colorado. Uh, I thought USF was a perfect fit for him. And I think that was very clear too. And it was also clear that it never came out that he got offered USF, but the second he accepted the Colorado job, USF announced another hire. So I think they were just waiting for that domino to fall. Um, I just thought his message in general and how he went about the opening press conference and the first team meeting, first of all, filming the first team meeting and having all that is weird. That's, I don't know if that really ever happens and but the press conference was like his son hasn't even entered the transfer portal yet. And he has his son stand up and goes, there's your quarterback. Like, he was just like, um, all right. And then he goes in the team meeting room, basically tells them most of them are going to be forced out to leave, considering all the Jackson State players that are going to come, including Travis Hunter had a quote of um, like, oh, you tell him, coach, it won't be like that uh next year when he was watching the first team meeting so it sounds like he's going as well uh I'm not the biggest Travis Hunter fan I'm pretty sure we can all figure out why but it's just um interesting how he went about it I don't it feels unprofessional to me while being a head coach of a power five program like you can do all that in FCS do all that where you were but power five I feel like this is different and you should act a little different
1: Yeah, there's in my mind, there's there's two reasonings or two ways that you can go about this. Um, The one like he is, he's just 100% cleaning house. And, you know, you could say this is, uh, you know, not professional, which I completely agree. But also Colorado is a dumpster fire. They are absolutely terrible. So maybe he's just like, you guys suck. You know, we're power five. We need to get everyone out. So if you're if you're not up to it, transfer now, save yourself the, the time and pain and whatever so it's an interesting thing i'm personally so that's that's the one side my other side is just being an actual good person this is yeah. just not what you do this is not how you build good quality characters this is not how you get a team to f- follow around you so yeah i understand his why he's coming from this side because they he just needs a clean house he needs to you know at least get good players in because I don't think Colorado right now has a good players. By the other hand, he's sacrificing culture. He's sacrificing people that care for him. He's sacrificing um, the kids want to play. So I personally hate, hate what he's doing, but this is just such a Dion thing. This is just what you would imagine him doing. And again, this could really turn out to be a really good play for him. As we said, I don't, we both don't think he's ready for a power five team, but he could, you know, blow expectations out the water and could really turn this program program around i don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon i personally don't think this is how you start or or build a program um but it's just such a Dion thing to do so i don't expect anything less than
0: from him yeah i mean i don't think it's very surprising all the flashiness and all that like it's not surprising it's just just feels weird from power five program uh he obviously is going to have to hit the portal really hard starting today um against that in a second the portal opened up today and it's insane how many people are already in there but He's obviously going to have to hit that hard. I'm sure he already said there's 10 Jackson State players coming. We're assuming that his son, Shadir Sanders, and Travis Hunter's a part of that, um, which again, Travis Hunter's a five star recruit. And I believe uh, Colorado's only had three five star recruits ever or something like that. And this will be the fourth. So making a splash already. I was trying to think of like where high school recruiting wise, not the portal where he would have to go because he's never recruited this area of the country before. He's. He's lived in Texas and Florida pretty much. And Mississippi, obviously, because Jackson State. But so I'm thinking maybe he goes to Texas. Obviously, he lived there for a long time. But Texas and California has got to be his two keys. He's got the name. Um, he's got the name of HBCUs. So a lot of like African-American, black culture. Maybe you go into inner city LA kids or something like that. Maybe somewhere where these kids aren't getting noticed as much. And he can develop them or try to develop them. I don't know how. We don't really know how good he is at developing players. He's All he's gotten got his talent. Um, and something else we noticed, I actually found this out. My friend texted me about it right before we went on. He just hired Willie Taggart to be on a staff, which is kind of interesting considering his last two jobs. Um, I know his son was committed to him when he was at FAU, so that's probably a part of it. So not super surprising, just kind of weird considering he hasn't had a good track record in like right. six years now. But yeah, other than that, uh, that's all I got on Dion. Uh, if he does well, it'll be the most amazing thing. And we'll see probably other programs start to hire former players uh, like that. And then it'll probably won't work out for them. And that uh, we all know how this cycle will go. Um, but yeah,
1: other than that, yeah, I'll, I'll add one more thing on yeah. uh, Dion. Um, I do think in recruiting wise, I think he has to stay back in Florida and in the uh, Southeast. I think that's really where he's gonna find his his guys. You know, most of the Pac-12 already takes care of California, takes care of Texas. So I think the open opportunity for him and for Colorado is if he just stays around that southeast and takes those Florida guys and those. Mississippi guys and those Louis or those Louisiana guys, because I don't think those are the guys that the, the Pac-12 is looking at. So maybe and that kind of is his bread, bread and butter. That's where the HBCUs are. So maybe that's where he's going to go and find success. That's where I would if I was him. Um, obviously, uh, you have to go to, to California and go to Texas, but I don't know if you're going to out-recruit an USC yeah. or a, a UCLA or Oregon in those areas. Whereas if you are in that Florida area, I do think you can beat – um, those Pac-12 schools and even maybe a couple SEC or ACC schools as well. So it'll be interesting what he does and whatever he, what whatever happens, he will be in the media all the time. So we yep. will see his rise or we will see his demise. So
0: um, it will be interesting. As he said, you either uh, get elevated or get terminated. I think that was the quote. <laughs> um, so now we'll move on to, we've been saying Dion needs to hit the portal hard. We've had a lot of entries today, especially at quarterback, a lot of big name quarterbacks, before we get into who entered today, I'll go to you about Cade officially going to Iowa, announced a few days ago.
1: Yeah, I'm happy for him. Uh, it, it's unfortunate how it turned out. You know, J.J. was just a better quarterback, and I want to thank Cade for everything he did last year. You know, he got us to the Big Ten championship. We won the Big Ten. He made it to the college football playoff. Um, not many people at Michigan can say they ever done that, and there's only two right now that can say it. Um, so I am really thankful for him. Unfortunately, JJ is just better. And I wish Kate all the best. I think Iowa is a great fit for him. They're a really good offense for what he does. He's not a, he's not agile. He's he's a decent pocket passer. Um, who I, I just think is a really good fit for him. He is also bringing Michigan tight end Eric all, which is another big blow to the Wolverines. Um, all played the first three weeks and then got season ending back surgery. So, um, but he did just announce, I believe, today or yesterday, they today or that he is transferring to Iowa. So, um, Cade will have that really big tight end there, and for Iowa, I think this is a really big, really big move. They, I think, are the worst team offensively in the country. So they need to change something around, and I think Cade will be that guy. Hopefully, Michigan can still beat them next year. I don't know if we play, but um, that'll be an interesting game. Uh, but yeah, wish Cade all the best. I think that's a really good fit for him,
0: and I am happy for him. So. Let's just wait for the Michigan-Iowa Big Ten championship next year. I'm sure that'll make a lot of headlines. Yeah. Um, so after that, again, a lot of huge – a lot of good quarterback names dropped in the portal today. Of Spencer Sanders out of Oklahoma State, who had over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. Uh, Devin Leary, which was a big surprise. He hasn't played since against Florida State this year. Obviously a really good quarterback. Um 2021, last year, I'm, I won't say it's this year's stats because he got injured midseason, but he had over 3,000 yards passing. Um, like Devin Leary is really good, a lot of connections to Notre Dame there. A lot of these guys have been, uh, rumored for Notre Dame. Uh, because, I don't know which one they're going to take, but almost every single quarterback I've seen is like, oh, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Notre Dame. After that, obviously, DJ Ugo, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but DJ from Clemson. Um, he has also been connected to Notre Dame, but I think he's from California. So UCLA is the best fit there, the biggest pick there. Keaton um, Slovis out of Pitt going in for the second time in two years uh, back into the portal. He's rumored to Arizona State or Arizona. To me, that sounds like he's homesick because he's from Arizona and just didn't like being that far away. Obviously, he was at USC before. I just hate how these players are jumping so much. Like, stay at one school, please. Like, after right. you transfer once, like, Let's uh, back off a little bit. But Pitt already got their replacement with Phil Dro- Drokovich uh, from Boston College, who has been really good from Boston College, is also from Pittsburgh. Uh, that made me think a little bit of, I wonder how long these conversations have been going on, because the second uh, Phil was in the transfer portal, he was committed to Pitt. And Slovis, really, who hasn't had a bad year, like he's a good quarterback, was out out of nowhere, it felt like. So I'm wondering how much behind the scenes really went on there at Pitt. Um, those are all the big quarterbacks that I have. Any one of those stand out to you?
1: Yeah. And I can't believe Spencer Sanders sells eligibility left. He feels (laughs) like he's 35 years old. So that was kind of shocking to see. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of research of what teams really need quarterbacks. I know we talked a lot about Notre Dame. Um, but I could see, and I, again, I haven't done any research on these teams, but, um, Oklahoma has been known obviously for quarterback play. They've sucked this year. They could possibly have an opening. You you can bring in um, Texas A&M. They suck this year. They could possibly have an opening. Um, So I will have to look at to see what schools really need these these quarterbacks. But I think out of those three, those are would Notre Dame obviously would be the the main key. But um, like a team like you know, Oklahoma or Texas a and who've really struggled this year. I think that I, we could see some of these guys at least thinking about going to a school like that. Um, DJ, I think will be a pretty good prospect. I know he struggled a little bit at Clemson. I think you just need to dumb it down for him a little bit. I think Clemson's offense was a little too complex. So I could see him having more success at a more run power school, possibly a big 10, um, but something like that, where with a little less complexity in the offensive game, because you can just see he's confused out there. The game's going a little too fast. Um, so I think he needs to slow it down a bit. Um, Slovis, as you said, I think he's a really good player. Um, I do agree that you you got to stop jumping, man. Just pick a spot. Um, that's no way to, to go through <laughs> life, just to keep jumping back and forth, to stay committed to one place. I understand one move or whatnot, but... Just, if you just keep jumping, it's you start to lose credibility and people start to not believe in you. So, uh, maybe he is homesick and hopefully, you know, he can figure it out in, in Arizona or Arizona State. But yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of a guy's yeah. jumping multiple times. But, uh, yeah, well, that'll be really interesting to see what happens. More will probably come in the next few days, next few weeks. Um, that will definitely keep you guys updated on.
0: Yep. And then other names outside of quarterbacks that I wrote down, only a few, uh, Justin Flo, former five-star coming out of Oregon. I feel like FSU is a good chance at him just because we've taken Trey Benson and Micah Pittman from Oregon, and they've all obviously both uh, done well here. Uh, Clayton Smith, who's a former four-star uh, from Oklahoma, just didn't really get playing time. Uh, Sam McCall out of Florida State, former four-star. Uh, the funny thing, I don't know, you probably didn't see any of this, funny thing about Sam McCall is they literally – so I guess the team has practice jerseys that are orange to show, like, Miami or Florida. So like basically you did bad or something like it's a punishment Jersey or something like that. Okay. The second he left, they put the Jersey over his locker. So I think that was more of a, that was more of a uh, culture thing, reason why he left. And then Amari Gaynor, Florida state uh, linebacker, who he's kind of, he has stat wise. If you look at his stats, they're not great, but he's been a pretty good leader and a pretty consistent part of this Florida state uh, defense I have gotten the chance to talk to him a few times. He's a really good guy. Wherever he goes, good luck to him. But that's all I have for this week. Do you got anything else?
1: Uh, I'll add one more school that probably has potential. Um, Auburn will probably be looking for for quarterback, especially under Hugh Freeze now. Um, you know, really big offensive. It, that's a cor- that's a coach, right? At Auburn, yeah, Hugh Freeze. Yeah, yeah. So pretty big offensive guy. Uh, I could see. Um, you know, possibly Sanders going to a school like that. Um, I think Slobos would be a good fit there as well, but I doubt that happens. Um, but that's an also another school that I think could, you know, possibly make a move on these transfers.
0: Yep. All right. Well, as we get into these coming weeks, uh, we'll obviously go more in depth into these bowl games. We just didn't want to waste all of our time with you guys here and not have anything else to talk about. So um, look out. Obviously, I started the question of the day. Uh, Wyatt's going to jump in on some of those as well. Um, so look out for those and look out for game previews for everything coming up. Have a good one guys. See you guys.